the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is The Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Happy Monday, friends, and welcome to The Jenna Ellis Show. I'm Jenna Ellis, and it is Monday, and so we have a lot to discuss because, of course, the top trending headlines uh, seem to just have a lot of stuff every Monday. And, of course, this morning, uh, we learned about the unfortunate death of Colin Powell, who was the first black uh, U.S. Secretary of State. He served under President George W. Bush between uh, 2001 to 2005. And we're going to talk about that and kind of how the media is spinning this narrative. But before we get there, I want to mention my friends from Legacy Precious Metals, because now is the time for Americans to take steps to protect your finances and retirement. When times are turbulent, you need an asset that protects you. And that's why I believe in investing in gold and trust my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. Gold does offer a hedge against inflation and protects you from the volatile financial markets. Legacy Precious Metals is a company that you can trust to give you good patient counsel for your personal situation. Their team of experts has decades of experience helping Americans like you and me make the right decision for yourself and your family. So call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903. That's 866-528-1903. Or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com and download their free investor's guide. So this morning, we all uh, woke up to the news of the untimely and unfortunate death of uh, former United States Secretary of State Colin Powell. And the thing that really bothered me about this story is that the emphasis was not on his legacy, uh, who you know he was as a four-star general, um, an American politician, a diplomat, um, the first African-American secretary of state. No, of course, the emphasis was on the fact that he was fully vaccinated and yet died of complications due to COVID-19. So we saw that Herman Cain was also trending uh, because for some reason, Twitter and the mainstream media want to hearken back to last summer when uh, Herman Cain, who at the time was not uh, fully vaccinated, I don't even think that uh, the vaccination was available uh, at the time that uh, that he passed away. But of course, you know, everyone was making fun of him uh, posthumously for going to the Trump rally in Tulsa. And uh, whether or not there was any proof of this, everyone just basically assumed that that was where he contracted COVID-19. And he was doing fine uh, until he wasn't, which was really uh, what this uh, terrible disease does uh, to people who, uh, whether they have pre-existing conditions, uh, you know, what whatever their medical health status is. It's been really interesting to see 
um, how this this disease has affected different people, and especially those um, with um, immunocompromised um, issues, or regardless of their vaccination status. And so, uh, this was something where you know now because Colin Powell um, apparently, according to reports, was fully vaccinated, but he was also dealing uh, with cancer. He his fight with cancer compromised his immune system. And so this morning, uh, our friend over at Fox News, John Roberts, not the chief justice, by the way, but the reporter slash now anchor over at Fox News, uh, tweeted something that, in my opinion, was a totally valid take. He said, the fact that Colin Powell died from a breakthrough COVID infection raises new concerns about how effective vaccines are long term. So that's an entirely valid take. We have had only a few months of seeing whether or not vaccines are even effective, some of the short-term effects. We have no studies, of course, on the long-term effects. And this conversation is incredibly important to everyone who is concerned uh, for themselves and their families, which I think everyone in America is, on the best way to protect themselves against this virus. And so some people have chosen to get the vaccine, some have not. And from John Roberts, I think this was a totally valid uh, question and just saying this raises new concerns about how effective vaccines are long term. And he got lambasted by so many people from the left who basically said, well, you didn't include Colin Powell's entire medical history in your tweet, and you didn't include that he was immunocompromised. You didn't include X, Y, Z things. So you're an anti-vaxxer. And he just got completely slammed for just saying this raises questions. That should concern us as Americans to say, why is a reporter from a national news outlet, not even allowed to tweet something as innocuous as saying that because a major public figure died from a breakthrough COVID infection after being fully vaccinated raises new concerns. Why is that such an illegitimate tweet? But of course, you know, people and morons like Jake Tapper go on to, you know, quote this tweet and say, no, General Powell was successfully fighting multiple myeloma, a cancer of blood cells that fight compromised and that fight compromised his immune system, which was a profound challenge when he contracted COVID. So later, John Roberts deletes this tweet. He actually deleted it. And he said uh, that, and I, I, of course, you know, responded to this because I think it was absolutely absurd, but he goes on and he, he explains his tweet or his deletion of his tweet. And he says, I deleted my tweet about the tragic death of Colin Powell because many people interpreted it as anti-vax. It was not. I was excited to get vaccinated. He literally tweets this, you guys. I was excited to get vaccinated, hoping it would help speed a return to quote unquote normal life. I also did a PSA on Fox encouraging vaccination for those able. As we all know, the FDA is now recommending boosters for certain people, and I personally know a number of people who have had breakthrough infections, some of them quite troubling. And then he goes on and on and on to just, you know, try to obfuscate and obfuscate and explain the deletion of the tweet. And he's just in a whole mess of problems because first he tweets this very valid take, then he gets slammed, then he deletes it, then he has to explain his deletion because, of course, Mediaite and, you know, a bunch of these other uh, outlets that all they like to do is try to slam people for valid conservative, frankly, takes – 
then, you know, because he gets slammed, he feels like that now he has to go and explain the deletion of his tweet, which in my opinion, just looks like he got intimidated and he's going, oh, sorry, sorry. Let me um, go back and apologize and do this apology tour and explain this because I'm not really anti-vax. Please don't put that, you know, black mark on me. Um, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I promise I'm pro-vax. So of course I quote tweet his explanation and all I said was one word, chicken. Because John Roberts was totally chicken for doing this. And I don't care if his explanation is, you know, that he really feels like people misinterpreted his tweet or whether he was actually intimidated by Jake Tapper. I don't know. Um, You know, he claims that uh, it had nothing to do with Jake Tapper. It was just he deleted his tweet because many people interpret it as anti-vax. Well, news flash John Roberts. A lot of people misinterpret a lot of other people's tweets. That doesn't matter. That's not a basis of having to do the me culpa and say, oh, I'm so sorry because people misinterpreted my tweets. This is exactly why cancel culture persists. And this is exactly why people just overly politicize everything. And everyone is telling yeah, everyone from the left is saying, unless you use the precise language that we demand of you, you're going to have to delete your take on this just because it could possibly offend someone. Well, I don't really care if Jake Tapper or the left is offended or people think that you have to put Colin Powell's entire medical history in the span of a tweet saying this raises questions. How is that not a valid take? I think we all have questions about the vaccine, whether or not uh, we ourselves are vaccinated or whether we're not. People are still making that determination for themselves whether or not to get vaccinated. So um, so this has become, you know, of course, the, the Twitter fiasco of the morning. And um, I, I just think, again, that this is so sad that we're focusing on vaccines and COVID rather than honoring Colin Powell and his amazing legacy. Uh, for America. And, you know, regardless of what politicians we do or, or don't agree with, regardless of how, you know, we look back and we see uh, the legacy of someone, or we can always look back and uh, point out things that we disagree with or things that maybe in the moment uh, seemed like good decisions and later were not, or, you know, however we all want to talk about politics. Um, the bottom line here is that people like Colin Powell, who gave a significant portion of their life serving the American people and truly being in public service deserve honor, uh, respect, and thanks uh, when, you know, they are at the conclusion of their life. And even though all of you know, you know, I was no fan um, of the decisions of of most of the decisions of, for example, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, when she passed away, it wasn't a moment of celebration. It was actually a moment of um, feeling incredibly terrible for her that she now knows the truth um, about life and death and the truth about Jesus Christ. And um, all of the evidence of her life can lend us to the conclusion that she probably did not know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And um, that's going to have an impact on eternity. And so I think we all need to be very careful when we're looking at um, how we memorialize uh, individual statesmen and women who have served their country and also in light of eternity. Um, I think one of the things that 
this whole COVID pandemic has done is made the left and people who are not saved and who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior so much more aware of the eminency of death. Um, I think in America, especially over um, you know the last uh, few generations, that you know we haven't really been in. Um, significant wars in my lifetime. I mean, of course, you know, we've we've certainly had servicemen and women who have lost their lives in Afghanistan and others, but it hasn't been as close to home. We have benefited um, over the last, you know, 40 years and more of an amazing abundance of peace, um, truly. And even though that hasn't been the case worldwide, and, you know, there, I could, of course, get a lot of pushback on that on, you know, some various angles, um, for the individual American and for the average American, we have lived life in relative peace and not in fear, and not, and certainly not in fear of the eminency of death. Um, we have not lived life in the light of eternity. And that's actually what scripture calls us to. And the thing about um, some of these major public figures who have uh, passed away from complications of COVID-19 or anything else, um, you know, if we look at the uh, the British member of parliament who just shockingly and tragically was murdered um, over the weekend meeting with his constituents, um, I believe that happened on Friday. Uh, and to see how, you know, he was only in his early 60s and uh, was stabbed to death. And, you know, he certainly didn't wake up that morning thinking, today is the day that I'm going to meet my maker. And we have to, as Christians and as um, individual human beings, we need to live our lives in light of eternity and know, as um, my dear friend, uh, Pastor John MacArthur, always likes to say, um, we need to make sure that our account is settled in this life before we meet uh, Jesus Christ in the next. Because either uh, Jesus can, through his shed blood, his death and resurrection, and our faith and trust in him as our Lord and Savior and belief in the factual, historical event of his life, death, and resurrection, we can have salvation and he can uh, wipe clean the slate and he can settle that account for us, or we will spend the rest of eternity uh, separate and apart from God, having absolutely no way to account for the sin that we all have. And as Americans, um, because we've had a life of such uh, privilege, frankly, um, you know, regardless of what demographic we've come from, we are not a third world country. Um, there, are, there are certainly levels of abundance and opportunity, but the American dream has been that we have opportunity. Every single person in this country has opportunity. And we need to make sure that we are not pursuing uh, to have you know, job status or have money or wealth or anything that is material. One of the things about um, being shocked, I think, this morning and also uh, on Friday with with the tragic deaths of both of these major public figures of Colin Powell and the British Prime, um, a member of Parliament, we can take that as an opportunity to be reminded that we need to live life in light of eternity. And for the leftists and for these uh, progressive people who are, these progressivists who are so hate-filled and so fear-filled because they want you to mask. They want you to have, you know, 152 boosters. They want you to do everything to protect them. 
I really believe that it comes from a place of deep and abiding fear because they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they fear death. And for the Christian, of course, you know, we aren't longing for death, but we are longing for eternity and to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And so we know that this world isn't our home and that the temporary sufferings that we have in this world, um, however good or bad our lives are, this is as bad as it's ever going to get. And isn't that a blessing? Because we know the truth of where we're going to spend eternity and that it will be perfect with our one true king. And the left does not have that promise. They fear death because it's unknown to them. They fear it because it. they know viscerally because the Bible tells us the truth of the word of God says that um, the truth is written on our hearts. And while they fear death, they know that it's going to get eminently worse for them because they have not believed in the promises of salvation and in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the conversation that we need to be talking about, um, not just with the entire COVID mandates and um, surrounding, you know, a lot of these very uh, public figures who, um, whether, you know, regardless of their manner or cause of death, um, these are the conversations that we need to be having. And this is also, I would encourage everyone, as much as we are fighting back and, and pushing back against these arbitrary, unreasonable, unconstitutional COVID mandates, and we can and we should, and I'm doing everything I can to help push back on this. We also need to have compassion and concern and speak truth uh, toward our fellow citizens who are living in fear because fear isn't just driven by the mainstream media. I'm sure the mainstream media is fear mongering and they are on purpose exploiting that fear for their own power and their own benefit. But the fear was already there. It was just kind of a latent fear for a lot of people who have been idly enjoying the pleasures of this life until this pandemic has brought the eminency of death to the forefront. And they're having to confront really uh, the worst fear of their lives. And that makes me so mad that the mainstream media is exploiting that. But it also makes me feel in my soul so sad for all of these people who are living in fear because they don't want to face the truth. So we need to be praying. We also need to be taking um, this opportunity while these people are looking for answers uh, to share the truth of the gospel with them. And this is why uh, Pastor MacArthur has said so many times that the church is essential. And in this moment, when so many people are so fearful of what happens in eternity and after death, that is exactly why the church is here, to bring the truth of the gospel and hope and joy, um, to say that no matter when our time is until Jesus returns or calls us home, we need to be living in light of eternity and promoting the gospel and speaking truth and being ambassadors for Christ to a lost world. And we need to take every opportunity, uh, whether we're speaking about politics, whether we're speaking about philosophy or capitalism or you know any of these other things that we all debate, to always bring it back down to the truth and to the bottom line of what concerns us 
as human beings answering life's most important questions. Who are we? Where are we going? Uh, What happens after death? And who do we say that Jesus is? Those are the key questions. And so as you are uh, maybe in a place of frustration, I've talked to a number of people over the last just week who um, are really frustrated with, uh, who are conservative Christians, you know, who are really frustrated with the state of politics and the Biden administration and, you know, these forced, compelled, unconstitutional mandates. Uh, I've been trying in my own personal life and also as an attorney to encourage as many people as I can to have the right attitude in this, of course, stand up for our rights, but also recognize how many people are truly, genuinely living in fear. And they don't need to be. Um, They can, and this is the opportunity in the moment to accept Christ. So, um, and if you're someone who, you know, is listening and you haven't yet answered that question of who you say uh, Jesus is, I would really, really encourage you um, to go to gracetoyou.org. Uh, That's John MacArthur's ministry. There are so many great resources there. Um, they will give you a, a free copy of uh, the Bible. There are so many different um, short sermons uh, by John MacArthur that talk about why the church is essential, that talk about the truth of who Jesus is from a historical perspective. Um, so they're also, you know, all over social media, but um, that's a really great and free resource for you um, if you are really looking into answering those questions. Um, so we're going to take a quick break here, and then I want to talk about uh, the next steps of the Supreme Court and what happened uh, today, because, of course, Monday is uh, is a day when the Supreme Court can issue some of their opinions, and uh, they had some really interesting ones today. So, um, so during our break here, I want to talk to you about my good friend, Mike Lindell, who is the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, and he wants to give back to our listeners. So you can get great discounts on all of MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now, click on the radio listener special, get deep discounts on MyPillow mattress toppers, towels, and so much more. I personally love the My Slippers; They're awesome. But for example, Mike is offering a buy one, get one free offer on the Giza sheets. My pillow products come with a 60 day money back guarantee and a 10 year warranty. So go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener special for the buy one, get one free offer on the Giza sheets, or just fill up your cart and then enter the promo code Jenna. That's J E N N A or call 1-800-564-8475. That's one 800 Five six four eight four seven five, and use the promo code Jenna. That's J E N N A. All right, so it is Monday, and the Supreme Court again protects police accused of excessive force. That was the Reuters headline coming from the Supreme Court this morning, and they reported. Um, I'm actually quoting Reuters. Yes, I, I really am, you guys. <laughs> so their article says the U.S. Supreme Court on Monday signaled that it is not retreating from its inclination to grant a legal protection called qualified immunity to police accused in lawsuits of using excessive force ruling in favor of officers on Monday in separate cases from California and Oklahoma. 
goes on to say the justices overturned a lower court's decision allowing a trial in a lawsuit. Um, it also goes on to say that they overturned a lower court's decision to deny a request by a police officer for qualified immunity in a lawsuit accusing him of, a, of excessive force. So this is actually a great thing and I think signals that the Supreme Court is not catering to the political whim of the left who want to defund the police, who want to say that uh, police officers shouldn't use any force whatsoever. We need to just send social workers out to, you know, do the job of police officers. And um, this is a really great thing to protect qualified immunity. Now, of course, are there instances of excessive force? Sure. And we need to be able to deal with that and deal with that appropriately. The doctrine of qualified immunity, of course, is a defense uh, that protects police officers, other government officials, um, other people who qualify from civil litigation, but only in certain circumstances. And uh, they permit lawsuits only when excessive force has been clearly established and an individual's uh, clearly established statutory or constitutional rights have been violated. So this particular doctrine is very important for police officers to be able to do their job and uh, to be able to not worry about every single instance of uh, contact that may result in um, any amount of force being used against um, an alleged perpetrator or an interaction with a citizen um, from coming back and facing personal liability for being on the job. Um, and if you talk to any police officer, um, most of them and the vast majority of them say this is such an important doctrine and we've had this very long standing in our history and tradition of uh, police activity because it's very important to make sure that police officers can do their job. So qualified immunity does not mean absolute immunity. Um, but I think that without, you know, going further into a, into a whole conversation about that, I think, um, all of you are savvy enough to understand uh, the doctrine and why this is so important. But I think the really important thing that we can learn from the Supreme Court's ruling today is that they are not bowing to the political whim of the left. They are still protecting these longstanding doctrines that have a purpose, that have um, a, a very good foundation in uh, legal jurisprudence. And I think this also signals, hopefully, that the Supreme Court is going to continue uh, to protect some of these uh, well-established doctrines that are rooted in our law and not given to a political whim. Now, you all know that I'm very concerned about the Supreme Court, particularly uh, because they refused to take up the Texas versus Pennsylvania lawsuit back uh, in December of last year, and that was completely against their constitutional obligations in Article 3. And uh, that was a political move by the Supreme Court. I have no idea uh, why they chose to do that, but it uh, looked very much like politics. So, um, so for the Supreme Court, I'm going to be very, very interested in this next term to see, okay, where are they drawing these lines? How influenced are they going to be by the progressive left? How much are they going to be influenced by um, the Joe Biden administration? Of course, and I put, you know, Biden, Biden in quotes because we know it's not really him that's actually uh, doing any of this or it doesn't appear to be, um, you know, Biden uh, actually leading the country when he has to say, you know, oh, I'm not allowed to ask questions. Well, you know, somebody's actually telling the leader of the free world what he is and isn't allowed to do. That's hilarious. Um, but how the Biden administration is uh, is having this commission on 
uh, Supreme Court reform, and um, they're issuing now this this new guidance. Uh, a lot of people from the left, including Chuck Schumer, are saying that they want to uh, pack the court still, and and that is a very real threat to the Supreme Court because um, you know think about it if you're one of the justices sitting on the Supreme Court and you're seeing um, how the how Congress through the Judiciary Act could modify the number of seats on the Supreme Court that probably is going to influence you at least to a certain degree. Um, but if I'm one of the members of the Supreme Court, I would say you know what, bring it on. That's not going to change. Uh, my opinions and how I perform my job and my obligation and oath of office uh, to my oath to the United States Constitution and also to the American people to make sure that I faithfully execute the role and responsibility of my office. Uh, that would make me and hopefully would make any other conservative who truly believes in conserving our rule of law, to stand up more boldly and say, you know what, under those types of threats, I'm not going to change at all. Uh, So we need to be um, looking at the Supreme Court, praying for all of the justices to faithfully execute their role and responsibility um, of office. But we're going to be paying attention uh, here at the Jenna Ellis Show. I'm going to be paying close attention to what decisions are rendered, what decisions um, and opinions are, um, are rendered by the court, and also what cases are actually taken up by the court. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see. It's almost a, a, a game of chess, if you will, um, of some of the members of the Supreme Court knowing, okay, how many votes do we likely have in this case? Is it um, a good indicator of the facts of what way we want to go with this? And so some of the denials are uh, are purposeful because some of the justices think, you know, we're going to maybe lose that case. So it's really interesting to see and to, uh, to talk about and to speculate on the reasons that they take up certain cases and they don't. Um, of course, the main question that I always get is when will the Supreme Court take up a vaccine mandate case? I think that's going to happen in this term sooner rather than later, uh, particularly with a temporary injunction against enforcement of um, the vaccine mandates for people, for example, who have qualified for or who are applying for a religious exemption. Um, We've seen that in the federal case already out of Texas and also up in New York, where um, federal courts have said that um, United Airlines, for example, cannot put on temporary leave any of their employees who are seeking a religious accommodation to be excluded from the vaccine mandate. These are all good uh, decisions, and I think we're going to see even more litigation over not just religious exemptions, but over the mandate itself. Uh, That's going to be a very good thing, and the Supreme Court is going to have to take this up, I think, uh, in relatively in relatively short order because they're going to be faced with um, a lot of these varying uh, challenges to the mandates. And this is probably the most important issue beyond the uh, Dobbs case looking at overturning or undercutting or or significantly um, invalidating Roe versus Wade in abortion. I think those two issues for every American, regardless of what side they're coming at it from, Uh, Those two issues are probably at the forefront of how everyone is looking at the Supreme Court. So I'm going to be back with you tomorrow on Tuesday, and uh, we're going to talk more about the top trending headlines, um, a lot of things that are going on. But I would just, again, encourage 
everyone who is listening. And I so appreciate you participating in these conversations and uh, hopefully uh, learning from these conversations and the feedback that I'm getting uh, to always, always look at every political issue of our day through the lens of scripture, through the lens of truth, and to bring it back down to those essential questions of who are we as human beings made in the image of God? Who do we say Jesus is? And based on the answers, the truthful answers to those questions, how can we best promote the gospel through civil society and best protect our individual rights that come from God, our creator. That's really the sum and substance of what politics is all about, is making sure that we protect the ability of the church and the family and the individual to exercise our sincerely uh, protected beliefs and our rights in this country. And that's why politics matters. And that's why every Christian has to be engaged in being a good citizen, being an active citizen, and participating in our government. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.